Hi guys, I'm Tasha Bishop and you're listening to the Body Language Podcast. I was born with a condition called Maya Rokitansky Kusterhauser Syndrome, which basically means I was born without a womb or internal vagina. Oops, two minutes in and I've already said the V word. It took me a long time to process my diagnosis and for so many years I felt like the odd one out. How do I exist as a woman in a world that deems my sexless, infertile body as useless? So three years ago, I started a non-profit called The Pants Project, a feminist initiative using underwear as a symbol of strength and a catalyst for conversations about bodies. Launching The Pants Project made me realize something pretty revolutionary. We're all odd ones out. None of us fit the mold. So instead of changing ourselves, we're gonna change the conversation. This weekly podcast comes from a personal place, bringing you a filter-free, intimate insight into all kinds of bodies that make up this world. The way we talk about them, hide them, and ultimately how we come to value our imperfections in a society set on perfection. Bodies are more than the labels that categorize them. They are vessels for the stories we write on our journey through life. Welcome to Body Language, the podcast. Is holiday porn a thing? I do seem to spend most of my life scrolling through dreamy holiday destinations from our sponsors over at onthebeach.co.uk. I'm so happy to sponsor with these guys, particularly as they've been speaking out about the body struggles that so many of us deal with as part of their latest hashtag this bikini can campaign. According to their research, body confidence issues appear to be the most significant amongst young adults and with the highest rates in 18 to 24 year olds, closely followed by 25 to 34 year olds. Actually, a crazy 23% of people said that self-consciousness around wearing swimwear in public can actually stop them from getting in the water on holiday. Whilst I definitely do relate to that feeling, it makes me really sad that we miss out on all the best holiday moments because of low body confidence. So it means a lot that we get the opportunity to try and change this conversation with the Body Language podcast. I genuinely couldn't have launched this without On The Beach's support, so a massive thank you to our wish-granting holiday fairies. Check them out by heading over to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language for more details. So this week's guest on the Body Language podcast is the glorious writer, activist and film producer Honey Ross. She is a co-founder of the coolest girl gang in activism, The Pink Protest, which is home to the hashtag free periods movement, the Girls Wank 2 initiative and a law changing and FGM campaign. Honey is a huge body positivity advocate, probably Lizzo's number one fan, and she's thick and tired of your shit. (laughs) I'm so excited to be welcoming Honey onto the Body Language podcast today to talk about fat phobia, sexual trauma, and the effect it can have on your relationship with your body, and what it's like to grow up surrounded by stereotypically beautiful women. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure. Okay, so before we dive into all the curves and crevices of today's <laughs> podcast body... Crevices. We all have them. Everyone has a crevice. I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with a little warm-up to get us in the mood for some hardcore self-love. So this is a bit like one of those think-on-your-feet games kind of thing. Okay. You have to answer as quickly as, as you can and as naturally as possible. So don't worry if you have a brain fart and say something really random like banana bread. Or, okay, perfect. Or have you <laughs> Just go with whatever comes into your head okay. first. Finish this sentence. My relationship with my body is... Great. 10 out of 10, straight out of 10. <laughs> I'm like, I think about it all the time. I'm like, God, I love my body. Yes. <laughs> okay, if you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? I'm sorry. 
Me too. I feel like that's... I think that's everyone's answer. Yeah. I mean, like, which we, makes me really sad. But I also... know, but that—that's to be honest. I think that's why we're doing what we're doing now. Like all of us, mm. just so we can teach the next people not to be sorry to their younger selves. You know yeah, what I mean? I always exactly. think that. What does self care look like to you? This is actually okay. Wanking. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, like, you said think on your feet, but realistically, I yeah. try and now. I used to say stuff like face masks. Yeah. And I was like, actually, the self-care industry has so been commodified. And I'm like, no, self-care should be something you can do for free. It yes. shouldn't be something that you drop 40 quid on. Yes. Like it should be have a bath, have a nap, have a wank. It shouldn't be like, I spent $200 on a delightful <laughs> face mask that tautens my skin. It's like, it, that is part of it, but like yeah. it shouldn't be the be all and end all of self-care. Exactly. What is the most ridiculous myth or lie you've heard in relation to women's bodies um that you're meant to bleed after the first time you have sex oh because that's a good one if you bleed you're not aroused enough like i know a lot of women do mm. bleed but it just means they're part this is also in like heteronormative sex but yeah, like, yeah yeah you, your hymen isn't meant to tear or rip or break that just means you're not aroused enough yeah your hymen should be something that you can just push back pop your cherry nothing should pop during sex like the only thing that should be popping is your pussy like nothing should (laughs) pop during sex that is not good yes i very much vouch for that message and so when do you feel your most confident um maybe when i'm naked Mm -hmm. and what does the term body goals look like to you body goals Mm. uh nonsense i mean like i don't know what it means i mean like what goals? Like I exactly. My, I think my body is what it is. <laughs> yeah. What is your biggest strength? Um, this making me laugh because on my Hinge profile it says what's your biggest strength, and I wrote my butt. <laughs> but I don't know. That's probably not. I mean, actually, it probably it. Prob- I mean, it's up there. It's, it's definitely like, up there. She's powerful. I don't Just know. Behind your brain, maybe. Yeah, I think my brain probably is my biggest strength. And who is your body posy hero, and why? Lizzo. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, like, I think she's everybody's body posy hero. She's, yes. you know, the self-love queen. She is. I read such a good uh, meme about it, which was like, well, it wasn't really a meme. I guess it's hard to know what a meme is nowadays anyway, because it's just like... That could be a whole podcast. <laughs> it, I know, like, what's a meme? But it, what Megan Trainer was trying to do, Lizzo has actually done. Oh. And I was like, damn, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, correct. And that's the tea. And what story does your body tell? Oh, a very sad one. I guess one of survival. I think a complicated story is mm. what my body tells. I think everybody's body tells a complicated yeah, story. Definitely. And an ever-changing story. Yeah, definitely. Just because I'm a power pants underwear addict, yes. what does your favourite pair of pants look like? Oh, I've got these amazing <laughs> Savage Fenty pants mm. that are pink mesh. Do they have a red heart on the back? No, but I do love those ones. Those oh, are, I love those. I I've saw got, those on your Instagram. Oh, they're so them. good. They actually really don't do much for my bum, which oh, is really? not... I mean, like, you know, I think... <laughs> no, I do. I like a, a pant that's basically cut like a thong because I'm like, the more arse cheek I can have out, the better, to be honest. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like I'm the opposite. For me, underwear has to be really comfy, so I'm definitely like a granny pants. This is why these are the best pants. So they're pink mesh with a darker pink like elastic and they're really super like high leg. Yeah. And like we love a high leg. And they just feel like really soft. I think they're also crotchless, but I kind of don't really pay attention (laughs) to that. Like it's like the Savage Fenty crotchless is a bent like I'm just like, who's this for? Like I was like, I'm not I'm like, I'm not that saucy. I wish I was, I'm not. (laughs) But they're great pants. For me, the problem with crotchless pants is Whenever I've like gone swimming or something outside and then put my jeans back on, it's so uncomfortable. I know. If you go commando, so then I'm like, 
yeah. can't do crotchless. It's, no, I don't. With the crotchless, they're just like two flaps that overlap. So it's oh. not actually crotchless. It's like they've got a crotch, you can just pull the crotch open. Oh, okay, easy access. Which is easy access, but I'm like, I, I'd rather take them off if yeah. I'm going to be yeah. making sweet love. Like, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. Or I guess maybe this is all about power to the woman in terms of peeing on the side of a road that's to be honest that when i first got them i was like i could piss anywhere <laughs> i like i mean to probably still get pissy but like get me a shiwi i'm yeah. back in business <laughs> yeah. love that okay let's move on to the first topic we're first going to start off with body image and fat phobia okay and i just wanted to start by talking about the word fat and mm-hmm. asking what it means to you Well, I think the word fat has changed in meaning for me over Mm. time. And I think a lot of people would say the same thing. Like, obviously, when I was growing up, it was the worst thing you could be. And it was something I associated with a lot of shame. The thing I probably feared above most things was being called fat by my peers, even Mm. though I was. Mm. Because I've always been big. I've always been bigger. You know, I'm like, I have to preface this. I'm on the smaller end of fat. Like, Mm. you know, there are kind of in the plus size community ways to categorise kind of what level of fat you are. And I am definitely on the, you know, lowest tier of that. But I am still a fat woman. Yeah. For me now, it's genuinely just a descriptor. I have no negative connotations associated with it. And I actually kind of love the word now. Like, to me, I find it powerful. I find it powerful how uncomfortable it makes people. You know, my worst thing is when people would be like, you're not fat. My God, no, 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 you're not fat. You're not fat. And I'm like, that says more about how you feel. It's a bit like when you go shopping with your girlfriend and you put something on and they're like, oh, yeah, it looks really, really good. Just tell me. Just... (laughs) Just fucking say. And I'm like, really, does this beige turtleneck really look good on me? Just <laughs> yeah. fucking tell me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that is something we can be doing to make our society far more fat inclusive and make our conversations about fat much less derogatory? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in advertising, there could be more diversity, yeah. bodies and skin colour, always. Yeah. I think representation is so important and it's shown time and time again mm-hmm. that it promotes positive body image to see someone reflected in yourself yeah it really helps yeah it's so difficult i think it's about changing attitudes isn't it i think if people can begin to challenge the idea that fat is the absolute worst thing you could be yeah because it's ridiculous i'm like there are so many worse things to be than fat like you know what i would rather be fat like i am than nasty yeah or racist or like any of these you know what I mean like why aren't we putting the shame we put on fat people on people who are like genuinely homophobic or racist or xenophobic like there are horrible people out there yeah but fat people get the shtick like it's like it it doesn't make any sense to me we are launching a podcast called the body protest Mm. very similar name (laughs) twins and it's kind of about people who are disrupting you know the diet industry and the status quo when it comes to bodies and relationships to bodies and it's with me and my soulmate Nadia Craddock Mm -hmm. who is the most incredible she went to Harvard she's the smartest woman I've ever met oh my god she is a body image researcher and she is an icon we basically are kind of doing the facts and the feelings when it comes to these stories. Yeah, amazing. Well, I for one can't wait to listen to it. I think it's going to be amazing. So you've talked about Nadia and she is definitely someone that I'm learning lessons from every single day on Instagram. And one of her posts from earlier this summer really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. The post was about fat phobic expressions that we should be removing from our vocabulary. And one of these phrases is, I feel fat. Uh, Um, Yeah. (laughs) complete transparency this is definitely something that i am guilty of saying to myself be it out loud or internally how dare you (laughs) indeed and i 
notice that it's never a positive affirmation. It's always something negative that no. I say to myself. And I look to you as like this emblem of body positivity. And yeah. are they still thoughts that you are like battling? Well, and- no. One thing I would say, and I say this quite a lot, is fat is not a feeling. Yeah. Fat is not a feeling and to say you feel fat, again, feeds into what I was saying. Mm-hmm. It's the implication that the worst thing you could be is fat. Mm. And if you feel fat and you were thinking that as a negative thing about yourself, yeah. how, like, how do you think that makes fat people feel? Like, yeah. uh, for myself, when I hear my thin friends say, I feel fat and it's a negative thing, yeah. I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm yeah. like, okay. I'm like, yeah, because God forbid you could look like me. Like, yeah. it's insulting. It's very yeah. insulting. And I think it's something that we all need to adjust. I don't ever feel fat because I am fat. Yeah. I don't need to feel fat. Yeah. That's who I am and I like how I look. Rather than saying I feel fat, be like, you know, I feel a bit weird in my body today. Yeah. That's, you know, it's it's a different thing. Mm. But of course, I'm human. Mm-hmm. I have days where I'm not, you know, what people see on my Instagram is a very narrow perception of who I am. Sure, most days I'm like wearing a fucking crystal thong and like dancing. Sure, I, yeah. you know, I, I give off a very carefree energy, but... I don't always feel good about myself. There are mm. days where I'm like, my skin's bad. I'm human. It's impossible to feel happy all of the time. Mm. But I never hate my body. Yeah. And I think especially in the society that we do live in, where it's literally impossible to get away from the advertisements and bombardery that we get thrown at in terms of how you should look and how women should be. Yeah. But the thing mm. is, I don't let that affect me mm. anymore. Like, do you have tips for that? <laughs> for anyone listening who is really trying to... Yeah, of course. I mean, one thing I would say is, this didn't happen overnight for me. Yeah. I properly hated myself throughout my teenage years. I think my self-love journey started when I was about 17. So I've been working on this, you know, through therapy. I Mm. discovered body positivity through Tumblr. Like, I mean, that's a vintage throwback anyway. So I think one thing is patience. Like, this doesn't happen overnight and you do have to put the work in. Like, you're not going to just magic yourself into a body that you love. Yeah. You have to do the hard work but then a fun thing that I found made me feel better about myself if if I'm ever feeling like god she's so perfect like you know I very Mm. rarely compare myself to people I I actually don't really yeah but there is sometimes when you're like it is interesting there's an account on Instagram called celeb face oh my god I love that yeah it's amazing (laughs) and I think it's really important for people to see that even like the most stereotypically beautiful conventionally Mm. attractive women like Kendall Jenner or like Mm. one of the Hadids I can't Mm. remember their names (laughs) they edit all of their photos so what you see is the side by side of the Getty image that was actually taken at the event and then what they've put on their Instagram Yeah, yeah, yeah and it goes like so blurred. I mean, they like absolutely like cinch their waist, change their mm. whole face shape so they look like little pixies. Mm. They don't even like themselves. Like yeah. you can be the most beautiful woman in the world and because of the way our society has made us feel, you'll still hate yourself. Like it's, yeah. you know, you're you're in a losing game. Exactly. So I guess the point is to change the game. And 100%. Own the game. So you are a figurehead of the eponymous Girls Like 2 movement. Yes. (laughs) um, Started by the legendary Pink Protest Group, as you mentioned. And of course, you're a founding member. And I think you are one of the most sex positive people I know and look up to. Oh. And the sex section of societal thinking seems to either ignore, fetishize, or vilify sex when it involves fat people. Mm. Why is this, firstly? And how do you think we can be more fat sex positive as a society this is a really complicated question because I don't even fully know the answer I felt so undesirable I was very much like no one's ever going to really want me 
I think when I first became sexually active, I was very much like, you take what you're given. I would match with someone on a dating app and like, be just so grateful. Yeah. I would never think about what I wanted or what I wanted to get yeah, from them. Yeah. Until about last year, but yeah. everything kind of changed for me in a big, yeah. very traumatic way, but it really made me reassess the people I was sleeping with and who I was sleeping with. But there does come to question, like, what is fertilisation yeah. and what is preference? Yeah. Um, which is something I find really difficult to grapple with because mm. I wouldn't... I used to judge people who didn't want to sleep with fat people because I was like, yeah. how fucking dare you fat phobic? But then I'm like, but most women say, I'll only sleep with tall people. So yeah. I don't really... It's hard to draw the line I think yeah one thing that does help to make things more inclusive and actually change perceptions of attraction and what's attractive is inclusive campaigns or like even I find like I started posting sexy photos on Instagram mm. to be like none of these photos exist the photos I love of beautiful sexy powerful women mm. they don't exist for women who look like me yeah so I'm going to create them create for myself them. yeah and let me tell you, your man crush Monday is in my DMs. Like, it's, you know... I love that. You need to, if you don't like the story that you're seeing, tell another story. Yeah. It's it's an attitude and it's about changing perspective on it. You have forged an incredible path for people to go and get their own confidence and yeah. their own self-love. I very much take my hat off to you. Just a quick ad break to say that Beach Holiday Specialist on the Beach has revealed three pretty important steps to getting beach body ready. Number one, put on your swimwear. Number two, find a beach. Number three, shine bright and feel fabulous. Who would have thought in this day and age that anyone, no matter what they look like, could go to the beach and have a ball? I love that On The Beach are banishing the myth of having to get beach body ready. Since over here on the Body Language Podcast, I really believe that all bodies are beautiful. So dig that bikini out, go to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language and browse through their thousands of great holiday options suitable for every single body. I guess this is kind of following on from that question, but I love the fact that 90% of your photos on Instagram are half naked. Yeah. Is this a natural thing because you, you you said you're a very like sexual person or is this like an activist choice in a way to kind of rewrite the story and prove that? Well, I think it's a kind of combination. I think mm. like I I really like being naked. Like yeah. I, really, I always have, you know, my... The way I was raised was very, like, in a kind of Scandinavian style of, like, you know, a body is just a body, like, as you know, and a body's only sexual if you put a sexual lens on it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, don't sexualise my body, blah, 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 blah. So, which I do agree with. So, I I just feel very comfortable like that. And like I said, I wanted to change the narrative around fat bodies and how I was like, I think I'm really hot. Yeah. No one else seems to think I'm really hot. I'm going to show them that I'm hot. Yeah. And people follow along. Like, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. a large part of people finding you attractive is confidence. Like, yeah. I, I know that kind of contradicts what I just said, but people aren't that smart all the mm-hmm. time. And I think if you go, I'm really sexy, they'll go, oh, God, I guess she's really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I genuinely <laughs> believe that. So, yeah, it was partly just how I am as a person was mm-hmm. like, I always liked, you know, taking off my clothes much to my friend's dismay and then I'll be like take a photo of my ass," and they'll be like okay honey please and then you know people started responding to it and I was like well I actually am helping people you know I yeah. get countless messages from women saying just you know I bought a bikini for the first time in 10 years because of you and like I just weep or going like you know 
I bought my first ever crop top or, yeah. you know, I had the best sex of my life because yeah. you told me how so to be cool. confident. If all it takes for me to help someone is posting a nude, I'm like, I'm going to keep posting nudes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, much to my parents' dismay, but, you know, it, it's worth it. Definitely. I feel like that's definitely something I am trying to push myself further towards. Yeah. Whenever I post a picture of myself and my pants on the Pants Project, I do still, in the back of my mind, it's always like, oh, my parents are looking at this, my parents are looking at this. And I feel like it holds me back from being myself and really showing off the confidence that I could have if I wasn't holding myself back. I honestly think you'd be surprised your parents would probably be more supportive than you think. Do you reckon? Yeah, like mine are. You know what, I joke about them being like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, but they're still parents. You know what I mean? Like, I think once they got their head around it, they were like, we're really proud of you for Mm -hmm. helping. And I think your parents would feel the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I don't know them, but (laughs) I think the work you do is so important that they would see that. Yeah. I don't even think my dad knows how to use Instagram anyway. Well, then even better, post (laughs) even racier images. (laughs) In February this year, you very bravely opened up online about the multiple occurrences of sexual assault and abuse you've had to suffer through in your life and from a very personal perspective I found this incredibly comforting inspirational and empathetic and I just wanted to start by saying a huge thank you for adding to this incredibly necessary conversation and as someone who has also experienced sexual assault I have had a very difficult time coming to terms with the way it has affected my relationship with my body yeah and primarily I found the notion of my body being viewed as sexy really difficult to co- to cope with mm-hmm. and has has what you went through affected the relationship you've had with your body oh god it's so hard isn't it it's so mm. painful to talk about it is um it is. well when it happened so obviously I have experienced like like absolutely every woman probably most people mm. have experienced different levels of sexual assault throughout my life I experienced some at my school from teachers you know it was not it's not good and that I actually at the time when those happened I just turned it into a joke like I did with everything like I literally went can you believe this teacher just did this to me I told absolutely everyone I was assaulted hoping someone would do something and go honey that's not okay and no one did it was a different time and I don't blame anyone but I literally desperately was crying out for help and I told it so funnily everyone just laughed everyone's like oh my god that is so you that's so funny and me being like <laughs> yeah yeah you know it was only years later looking back going like that's what I was doing and that's so sad but obviously at the time I think I felt quite sexless as a teenager because I you know I so desperately wanted to be desired and I didn't know what I wanted yeah so that didn't really change how I felt about myself I think if mm. anything it kind of made me be like oh well at least someone can find me attractive which is so fucked up yeah um, to think like that but I you know it, I can't help how I felt yeah no I, I found it very disturbing but I'd also from a very young age been told that because I look so grown up because I've always been tall and I've always been kind yeah. of buxom uh, people are always like your older guys are going to want to go out with you older guys like just you wait older guys which is so toxic to tell a 13 yeah. year old older guys are going to want to go out with you I'm like is well like- I don't want to go out with older guys yeah. because they're so, pedophiles like yeah. that's not okay but then when uh, I was 20 I was raped and it was awful I mean mm. goes without saying after it happened, it, I, my body just kind of shut down. Like, I, for genuinely a couple of weeks, my body just, like, I wouldn't... I, you know, I thought I'd gotten, like, thrush or something. Like, my body yeah. just shut down. Like, I had such a physical reaction to it. Yeah. And then I had the weirdest thing, which mm-hmm. was it t- completely flipped around. Yeah. And I became, like, 
a thotty maniac. <laughs> and honestly, careened around London sleeping with absolutely everybody. Yeah. Uh, and it was definitely a way of reclaiming my body back. Yeah. And it felt right at the time. I think yeah. now I've looked back on it and I think maybe, you know, there's always maybe better ways you could handle the situation and maybe, you know, I don't regret any of the experiences I had and I of think course. it taught me so much about myself. I think I needed to put distance between me and my rapist and yeah. that did that. Yeah, of course. I felt separate from my body. Yeah. It wasn't part of me. It was like, I think, you know, I felt betrayed by my body because mm-hmm. I'd let this happen. And then I literally remember when no one knew it had happened to me publicly on Instagram I did an Instagram, you could go back and find it, where it's a photo of me in my underwear and I wrote, my body feels like home again. And that was literally the day that that had happened. Yeah. And it was so weird because it was a secret to me and I put it yeah. out there and yeah. nobody knew and everyone was going like, yes! And I was literally like, you don't know the significance of this. Yeah. And I think you can see some of my friends have commented on it knowing the significance, going yeah. like, I'm so proud of you and things like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's fucking rough, isn't it? Yeah, it's something that I am like only just starting to work on like myself and I think I had like the opposite reaction of you I mean not the opposite because you did experience the um the shutting down yeah um I was uh sexually assaulted like a year before I was diagnosed with MLKH yeah and I think when I was diagnosed that was like a whole other degree of separation totally of what happened to me but part of MLKH means that you can't have sex without um using a some people have to have an operation some people just use a dilator which is a bit like a tiny dildo and then it gets like bigger and bigger yeah. and you like stretch your vagina and if you haven't done that and you are raped then i mean it's the consequences are not good like yeah i can't a even imagine kind of yeah thing i don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to say the wrong thing and then terrify someone go and google it or go to a doctor and ask about it but I think I when I was diagnosed I was basically terrified that something like that would happen to me sure again and yeah I didn't I don't know it's 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 such a difficult thing to come to terms with in your head and then you realize that your head is attached to your body I know and I don't know it's, it's just a relationship that I think will never fully be repaired it feels like you've had your body taken away from you I would say I don't want to undermine your experience but actually it can be repaired yeah and I promise you that and I think like you it, are proof of that I mean like in an amazing way. I realized you know I I then after having this crazy summer hot girl summer last year yeah hot girl trauma I yeah. kind of feel like it was more like but um <laughs> I got into a relationship for the mm. first time and it was with a boy who actually really adored my body and made me feel amazing about myself until he didn't but you know Mm. beside the point and I definitely put off healing I really put off healing because I was like well I've I've been cuffed for cuffing season like I got a beautiful boyfriend all going well and I completely put off my healing and then this summer it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I went the worst thing in the world happened to me last year Mm. and I haven't processed it at all yeah I've done so many things to avoid processing it and you know my body feels I feel closer to being like myself than I have in a long time. Yeah. I I think I didn't believe that... I think I'd been bad for so long, I didn't believe that I could get better. Yeah. Because of my diagnosis as well, I hated my body for so long. I I hated... All I wanted to be was a mother growing up. Yeah. And, I mean, I will do that. I'm going to adopt all the children under the sun. But, (laughs) but, But I think 
it not being able to do what I wanted it to do after what had happened to me I don't know it was just such a broken relationship and of course I think yeah point is we do get better we will get better and it's a big old journey also like let's give ourselves a pat on the back you know <laughs> you know we've survived like we've survived the unimaginable like exactly. you've survived so much and we're still here yeah we're still here and we're recording this podcast for everyone hey so there's a huge problem obviously with the way that society um slut shames women for how they present their bodies yeah that creates an extremely damaging blame culture surrounding conversations of rape and sexual yeah. assault how do we fight against this and create a society where a woman and a woman's body is never to blame for the way that someone mistreats it? Oh, my God, I wish I had a good answer to this. I, I mean, <laughs> there isn't really one. I guess, like, things like the slut walk are amazing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. Whatever you're wearing isn't an invitation to rape me. I just got these new jeans and I wore these jeans out. And then obviously it happened. And yeah. this new top, I'd, like, got this whole new outfit from ASOS. Yeah. And I wore it out. And then it happened. And I just was like, these items are cursed. And I, yeah. and even though I'm, you know, couldn't be more of a fucking feminist, yeah. I literally was like, you shouldn't have worn those fucking jeans. You shouldn't have worn those jeans. You know, like you knew yeah. what they looked like on you. They were, you, it was an invitation. And it's like, no, like if even I can have that toxic pattern of thought, I mean, who's to stop anyone having it? It yeah. was a pair of jeans, and it's yeah. your body, and it's not ever an invitation yeah I wish yeah. I had a better answer on a broader scale I think like I said things like the slut walk are amazing mm. talking about it educating boys at school I think teaching consent in sex education is a huge yes. huge game changer and yeah. I think it's something that needs to be done on a much wider scale yeah do you mind if I give you a kiss yeah can I get all like do you want to give me a kiss you yeah. know like ask your ask your children hammer yeah. consent into their brains from such young age so they know that they always have the right to say yeah. no Okay, let's move on from that section. Yay! Um, <laughs> the last section is body image and celebrity. Without belittling your own fully formed identity, what was it like growing up in a world full of celebrity, closely surrounded by women who set the benchmark for stereotypical beauty? Do you think uh, it affected your relationship with your body? Or Yeah, definitely. I think it's difficult looking around and being like, when am I going to grow into that woman? Like, yeah. And you're not. You never yeah. are. Like, you know, my body isn't built like that. I always say that the fact that I grew up in the public eye just basically put what happened to every child or every teenager. Yeah. It just was that, but on a macrocosm scale, if yeah. that makes sense. I grew up going to recordings of my dad's show, yeah. watching yeah. the biggest movie stars and blah, blah, blah. And they were all these tiny, beautiful pixie women, which I absolutely love and respect. But it's not great for a kid to see that. No. You know, I think... And also, now I just choose not to. Like, I, yeah. I, of course, I watch every film that comes out, but, like, I don't follow models on Instagram. I don't do that. You know, there are things you can do to safeguard yourself. But, yeah, yeah of course it affected me. Like, yeah. it's not a good feeling. Yeah. Well, this last section is called Vanity Planet in Print. Okay. And so the weight loss industry is valued at $72.7 billion. Um, 48% of women are interested in having cosmetic surgery. Oh. And it's estimated that only 5% of women naturally possess the ideal body type portrayed by the media, meaning that 95% of women are not represented. Media and family are also reported to be the most influential factors on a person's body image. So for the second half of the Body Language podcast... We're going to be playing some games, doing some exercises and conducting okay. very unsciencey experiments to dissect the way that our media world discusses bodies. 
and we're going to look at the language that editorials and advertisements use to describe bodies, the perpetuation of narrow stereotypes that define beauty, and the culture of body shaming that prevails in society. Okay. So your game, honey, yes. is called 1919 versus 2019. Basically, we're going to be looking at ridiculous advertisements and guessing whether they are current, so within the last decade, mm. or whether they're older. And then we're probably going to talk about the difference in language and whether the stigmas have evolved or changed or at all. Sure. Okay, so... Miss out on your summer body this year? It's never too late. Join these successful slimmers and get back on track with your weight loss journey in just seven days. Recent? Terrifyingly recent, yeah. Okay. That's 2019. Oh, it's horrible. So sad. So sad. So, number two, exclusive. Star flaunts her curvy derriere in a tiny bikini as it emerges she is desperate to shed weight after enjoying boozy dinner dates. Recent? recent that's again oh, 2019 just actually hateful was it like yeah. Daily Mail oh it was I was of about course to say, it was. guess the editor how could I not I know they have a lovely style of writing the lovely style of writing actually when I first launched the pants project and started talking about um my like condition and stuff like that yeah. they wrote the most disgusting article about me. They're just, um, hate- I mean, my whole childhood, all they did was oh. fat shame me. So I actually, when I was doing research this podcast, I went on YouTube and I was like, honey Ross. And I found this video that you made. I think you were like, fuck 13. the Daily Mail. Yeah. Yeah. So young and brave to be saying that kind of thing when yeah, you're like, so like mature. I was like, yeah. if I'm not speaking my mind, if I'm being misunderstood, like what's the point? And yeah. now like my Instagram was a personal Instagram where I just shared everything I cared yeah. about. And yeah. now I just get to be myself. Yeah. And it's the most liberating thing. Yeah. So number three, I eat half an apple before bedtime. Star reveals the secrets to her incredible figure. Oh my God. I want to say recent again. It's kind of recent. So I put older. This is 2010. Oh, okay. So, so I, I think we've ago. hopefully moved on a bit from, from half an apple before bed. <laughs> yeah. That's just hellish. I mean, is do that, not do that, anyone. That's, no one eat half an I mean, eat a whole apple. Eat a whole apple. In I amongst have, a, an assortment of other things. Yeah. Um, okay. Blasted as boring, desperate, cheap. Why fans are sick of her? Older. Recent. Oh, God. This is 2018. Who's it about? Poor Stacey Solomon. Poor, poor baby. We oh, love Stacey Solomon. We love Stacey. We just, we support women. We don't tear them down. Exactly. Ugh. Preach. Okay, and next one is the toxic fat that can strangle your organs and how to shed it. I'd be like, that's me. I'm the toxic <laughs> fat strangling your organs. Like, I'm literally like... <laughs> Open the doors and let me in. Um, that's like, that's how I sex. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to strangle your organs. Um, I mean, recent... Older, actually. Oh, God. That's 2010 as well. Just on the mark. Okay. The classic Daily Mail. Of course. I mean, they're, they're all Daily Mail, surely, right? They're all so hateful. Most of them are Daily Mail. Blech. I think a few of them are like us. Oh, I literally have a necklace that says sun. fuck the Daily Mail. Where did you get it? I want one. Oh, I'll find it. They also make fuck the Tories. Oh, yes. They're great, great. Give I found them on Instagram, of course. Next one is, I love this one. What happened to her hands at 59? <laughs> Star's wrinkled <laughs> fingers show her age. What happened to her hands? She got older? <laughs> like yeah. a, a human? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, that's actually I mean, one of the other recent? games. Kind of. Again, that's on the mark. 2010 was a bad year for headlines. I even kind of remember 2010 being like a bad year for just like to be yeah. a woman. Like everyone was like, fuck women. Okay, so this one is an advert. Men hate the sight of me. I'm going to try ironized yeast. Wow, you're gorgeous since you gained weight. 
thousands of skinny girls gain 10 to 20 pounds quick. What? Recent. Older. What? Yeah, so that's 20th century. <laughs> so <laughs> people became much thinner during the Depression, so the slender, straight flapper silhouette went out of style, and ionised yeast products promised skinny women would put on weight. But if you look at the advert... All the imagery just means they have bigger hips and bigger boobs. Yeah, but that's so. what everyone's always wanted. Well, because exactly. the only reason I thought that was recent was because now the trend of like slim thick, like oh, where it's yeah. like you're basically like tiny apart from on your boobs, hips. Yeah, thank and, you, Kardashians, for that. Yeah, which is kind of very, very unattainable. <laughs> yeah. Unless you get like cool sculpting, which is not good for you. Um, okay, so the last one, this one made me laugh so much. It's not, I mean, it kind of is body related, but it just made me laugh a yeah. lot when I put it in. Romance dies at the touch of dishpan hands. <laughs> dishpan hands? Is that like because your hands have touched a dishpan or because your hands are shaped like a dishpan? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's from in the 30s when women cleaned the pots and pans for the men in their life and they get they got really like... Scaly. Dry, scaly hands. But I'm like, well, maybe then they should have taken a turn in cleaning the dishpan so your yeah. wife's hands didn't get calloused and scaly <laughs> exactly. from probably using like pure bleach or whatever they used in the 1940s to clean pans. Exactly. The um, like, lie. description for the ad was almost as funny as the ad itself. It was like, 1930s, an ad for luxe dishwashing soap that claimed dishpan hands threatened marriages. <laughs> what, How mean, dare you have dishpan, dishpan hands? hands. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are dishpan hands? And where um, can I get them? Yeah. <laughs> The next Kardashian trend, perhaps. Yeah. Well, that is it for this week's episode of the Body Language Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, honey, for coming on. And everyone listen to Body Protest. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's it, guys. Another fierce episode full of bold body language. Thanks to our partners over at onthebeach.co.uk. I couldn't have done this podcast without them. They share our passion to celebrate stories of self-acceptance and embrace how we can all take ownership of our bodies. For more details and to book your next holiday, check out onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language. Thank you for listening and shout out to On The Beach for being the game-changing holiday retailers this industry needs. And for all you listeners out there, I hope this made you feel like the sparkly starburst of a human that you are. But if it was difficult to listen to, please know that you're not alone. If you need help or advice, you'll find the relevant support links in this week's show notes. Hit the subscribe button. See you next week. And may the power of pants be with you.